0: You know what I love about tonight, Roman? What? It's we're recording this on Sunday, and it's the uh, today is the seventh, and that means that we're uh, three four days away from your birthday. Oh, Wednesday, Jesus. turning Shit. thirty-six.
1: The big three-six. <laughs> Shit, you're right. I I I've, I've been not thinking about it. <laughs>
0: well i'm thinking about it i'm watching you you big old oh, about to man. be 36 year old saber-toothed tiger of a man man 36
1: that's that's
0: i know what are you gonna do yeah
1: yeah like five years ago i never could have imagined being
0: 36 <laughs> i know right it seems like it would have been a chronological error or something <laughs>
1: yeah it yeah. seems so far away
0: Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast episode 213 it's that perfectly acceptable you know just above the bare minimum for what you would expect to be getting for a content wise comic book podcast by a bunch of people who run a comic shop together we have fun don't worry about it Um, but it's just perfectly acceptable. Get a whole bunch of books every single week from UPS, bring them into our comic shop, count them, sort them, love them, bring them home, read them, bring them back to the shop to engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the shop that we run, the comics that we read, or the comings and goings of our lives. I'm Jeff. It's good to see you, Roman.
1: Oh, yeah, and I'm, and I'm Roman. It's good to see you, Jeff.
0: Oh, God, you're so
1: it's good. It's kind of a new thing. Well, I think we haven't done it in a while, just a, a, two, a two-man, two perfectly acceptable Pap-cast.
0: It's not an unusual thing for us to do for the Batman in Quarantine podcast mm-hmm. we do. But uh, yeah, it's not super normal. What I love about it, what it gives us the opportunity to do is actually share our feelings. Because I know both you and I, you know, we fall under the the thrall of, of Django. He's like <laughs> so attractive, so handsome mm-hmm. um, that... Mm-hmm. Frankly, I don't ever say anything I believe when I'm on this podcast with him because I'm, I just want him to like me. <laughs> so,
1: I know, you don't want to risk saying something dumb or something and, and you know, have the cool guy. I think, boy, these, these kids are punks.
0: We're like 212 episodes in for just an entire fake personality I've created to hopefully make an older man like me. um he's so dreamy he's so dreamy but that does bring us to a a a bit point um it's episode 213 213 area code coming at you live from des moines ohio ontario um (laughs) that is where we are recording today the 213 and uh very exciting very exciting stuff it is it's good to be here eh? it's good to be here a exactly i'm really excited to just sort of vulnerably expose my uh feelings my insights to you just giving that it's it's the two of us these books that we're going to be talking about this week on this perfectly acceptable podcast 213 Demo- des moines ohio ontario um is hey. H- a-, a hellblazer rise as, and fall. as they as they say in ontario as absolutely they do be <laughs> hellblazer rise and fall number three fear case number one transformers beast wars number one we're going to talk about those rowdy dc future state books uh definitely a handful of them that roman's going to feature i don't have them with me so i won't title them all right now but know that future state is in that spot we've also got the maniac of new york from aftershock comics and it's django and jeff and roman nope it's jeff and roman and that means we're going to talk for a minute about Firepower because it came out this week. Mm, and yes. it's just, you know, first book I read any week that comes out. My favorite book coming out. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. But on the topic of, uh, topic of other things that I love, Roman Hellblazer, Rise and Fall. We have talked about every issue of this series on the podcast. However, I had not read issue number two when we recorded that conversation. So I read issue number two and three and was totally surprised to learn that it looks like issue number 3 is the in, is the end of this this is maybe done this the series is done now
1: yeah yeah and i think don't uh, don't a lot of the black label like magazine size books only th- are only 3 issues
0: i would believe that they've got that joker harley criminal sanity one that's like 7 or something but yeah oh, batman okay. dan was three wonder woman dead earth was three uh superman year one was three so you're right i i yeah. should have assumed it going in i just loved it the question
1: might have been three oh, yep, maybe right. not, maybe that was four i don't remember i but, but anyway i because of that i expected this to be three.
0: Oh, i was um pretty heartbroken that it seemed to be over i was like reading and i was like well this is cool like you know we're solving a great uh John Constantine mystery story here and I can't wait to see what we're going to do for the next are oh wait no this is, this is done it's, it's just a shame that we that other John Constantine Hellblazer book by Sy Spurrier was cancelled and this book has a finite end to it I just, and now we're once again in a Constantine drought after having really wonderful books
1: yeah if either one of those, those creative teams were continuing a Hellblazer series I'd be, I'd be quite thrilled because I've enjoyed them both
0: Yeah. um, So this one is Tom Taylor and Derek Robertson, if anyone's confused, because there are multiple that have been coming out lately. And it has, man, I've got a complex relationship with Derek Robertson's art, Roman. Yeah. I think it's fantastic, but I also think it's, like, kind of inconsistent at times. I don't know. It's just, like, the faces are sometimes... It's just... 80% of it looks spectacular, and then, like, 15 to 20%, I'm like always looks a little janky to me but i do love how dirty and it all feels like his reds are so dark
1: yeah and this i like the way he draws constantine's face because sometimes artists go a little too far with you know how famously he was based on stings physical appearance and and sometimes artists just draw him as being i don't know too too clean i mean throughout this series constantine has really looked like kind of a scuzz. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's got nice kind eyes, but he's all bandaged and and hasn't shaved in weeks. And he's all just messed up and and he doesn't look young.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm not super well versed in like Hellblazer Constantine lore, really. I mean, this is, I've read more in the last year than I've probably ever read for the most part. So it's just uh, it's interesting. I'm, I'm really enjoying it, but I can't really speak to like how accurate or well written the character seems to be in terms of like a comparison to like a, the historical nature of the character. That's something that I like. Django for sure can talk about, but I I have a hard time.
1: Yeah, I think Django's read maybe all the content. I don't know. I only read the first couple of years worth when Jamie Delano was doing it. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty accurate. I remember. At some point, Constantine had, in order to save somebody, had uh, pretty much sold his soul to the devil. So when he dies, he is going to go to hell. Um, maybe there's a storyline where he got out of that later, but I don't, I don't think it succeeded. Well, um, and I don't know if his father has shown up before. That's something I wanted to ask Django because his father, he visits his father in this issue, and I was, I was surprised. I don't remember ever seeing this guy before.
0: I certainly hadn't, obviously. But it, it seemed like that perfect Tom Taylor touch, the TTT. You know, like he does that thing where he does parental relationships, like, you know, parent-children dynamics and a lot of like the really heavy emotional stuff that goes with that. He puts that into his stories. It seems like everything he writes has like, just like really wonderfully powerful emotional moments in it. So, you know, I, I really appreciated the presence of his dad in this because it felt very in line with you know my my view of tom taylor at this point like he'll write a funny story he'll write a fun story and it'll also make you tear up maybe in it so the inclusion of like the forgiveness scene in this was a really a really cool touch
1: yeah yeah it was it's a lot more than i expected out of this story um because there's definitely all the horrible supernatural stuff and you know throughout this issue um the devil is hanging out with uh, Constantine, and there's some great scenes with the two oh, of them. But there's their also... <laughs> their relationship, Roman,
0: is so good. Issue two starts, and it looks like they had just finished a coitus. Uh, yeah. That's what you, that's how it's referred to as. You make a coitus, right? Yeah, yeah, make a coitus. You make a sticky coitus. So the two of them were making a sticky coitus, and uh, he, you know Constantine wakes up the next day and doesn't remember it. And Satan spends several pages convincing him that they had had a sticky coitus, <laughs> and. And they actually had not had a sticky coitus. And it was, uh, I just, I loved that. And I I just love the inclusion of like, kind of leaning into the fluid sexuality of John Constantine, especially like at the end of issue number three, when they make out in the bar. Yeah. Bathroom.
1: Yeah. That was a great scene too. Yeah. It's great that this has all the horror elements you expect, but there's so much, so much of the, uh, just touching redemptive stuff between, you know, him and his dad and the devil stepping in there to try and make that happen. And, and just a lot of good moments. a moment when Constantine actually has a little bit of a tear in his eye. And that's, that's
0: almost stunning seeing that. <laughs> well, and just that, like the way that the, you know, the sort of deus ex machina of the whole thing is that he has to experience happiness, you know, to like, cause this demon that is the bag, the story is that this demon that he, when he was a child, Unleashes and it gets stuck in the body of this childhood friend of his, and he has been feeding off of sorrow and negative emotions for 30 years or whatever. And super interesting story. I like, you know, I like that. But the the cure is that it traps him in John, and then he experiences all this positive emotion, and it kind of sh- turns him into a frail little thing. What I really liked about this, Roman, you just recently watched it, but felt similar to the Constantine movie that had come out with Keanu Reeves. Like, very different. I don't know, like, the the voice or character of Constantine seemed in line with it in a certain way, or, like, just, like, the way that magic and Satan and occultism and all these things are kind of blended into one. Uh, It it just reminded me of that Constantine movie, because it was all of those things that kind of put into this, like, hill size version of like a hour and a half action romp and i just this reminded me of that feel a lot i love that movie and i love this book so it's just i that's what was making me think of while i was reading it today yeah
1: cool and and actually i know i keep on saying i'm gonna watch that it's on my list oh shit i thought that you did watch it no i was going to and and i told you guys i was going to and then i that following week i forgot to do it Uh, (sighs) so it's it's still on my uh you know, you, you know, in the my list.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, my list. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, dang, I was excited to hear your thoughts on the comparative feeling of it. But let's just pretend that you have seen that movie. You loved that movie, and this reminded you a lot of it. I did. This really did capture that same kind of feeling.
1: I, I was really impressed with that. I, I think he used that movie as kind of his part
0: of his Bible for He's scripting this. Absolutely, jumping board for it. The demon stuff was so like that was I don't want it to sound like I don't like Derek Robertson's art because it's very unique and I do like it it just at sometimes it feels a little janky, but the demon stuff I just I loved how much Satan there was in this, and there was sexy <laughs> svelt Satan and then there was like big old legend horned Satan demon yeah, I love that too in fact as you were saying i I just had foot to a
1: page where there's the whole bottom half of the page is a close up of satan's face and think boy Derek robson he draws gorgeous eyes i mean this satan face on this one panel i'm like yeah i'll do whatever you say satan you bet yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're just little demon
0: <laughs> okay so then i've got a question for you um Constantine goes and visits his dad a second time or we see him visit his dad to get this book and he's got satan with him and the dad like smacks him and he says like right i'll be off then And he leaves and then satan stands there to talk to his dad for a minute after Constantine leaves. And he says, so let's, let's just talk, shall we, Thomas? And then Mm -hmm. Constantine goes out and he talks to Chaz a little bit. And then Satan and the dad come out and the dad says, I was wrong. You know, and then he apologizes and asks him to like go to a game or something. And I really liked the moment that there was like, that catharsis of the release of that but part of me was also wondering did satan like influence him to do that did he somehow make him do that is that not a genuine act did you question how genuine of an act that was oh yeah definitely
1: okay i mean mean, yeah we're dealing with satan so yeah i i wasn't sure there what exactly satan had done like yeah it it seems suspicious that satan would just i mean he's satan it's hard to believe he would just simply have a heart-to-heart talk and that's it (laughs) but
0: at the same time i want john's dad to have felt those things and to tell john it so i you know i'm hoping that satan just sort of was like listen you got to go apologize to him and he was like yeah you're right but i also like maybe there's some mind control or threatening stuff or whatever yeah or at the very least like
1: reaching into uh i don't even know his john's dad's name but reaching into his soul and and making him face because apparently his dad like constantine's mother died when he was young and the dad made john feel like it was his fault like his entire life um and that's what his dad apologizes for and and yeah so i don't know mind control on satan's part or maybe just satan just forcing this guy to look in his soul and and see what this awful thing is that he's done to his son his whole life Hmm.
0: in the issue number two when he wakes up next to satan he's got a pack of cigarettes and the brand name is fabry's which I liked like Glenn Fabry's covers for Constantine. And then on the final page here of Constantine walking with a crown, smoking, um, the garage he's walking by is Taylor's. Um, oh, yeah. which is for Tom Taylor's. And, and there's some other names there as well that could be, uh, references anyway just an amazing series amazing book I really was hoping that we were going to be getting this as an ongoing and I hope that it comes back for a different one Tom Taylor is phenomenal Derek Robertson is phenomenal and it's just a wonderfully heartfelt book there was it was really heartfelt which is what surprises me at the end of it
1: yeah yeah it really was I I mean geez and there was some things I mean when the I, I forgot toward the end of the book where then Constantine and the devil are walking through Williamson square with, um, this ghost and they
0: see this ghost of a little girl. I don't
1: remember who this
0: ghost guy. I don't either. He shows up in issue number two, but I think he's mentioned in number one, but that scene I think means more than I got out of it.
1: Yeah. I, I think so too. And, and I didn't have time to look back at number one. Um, but it is a real touching scene. I just the, the two, the old man goes like reaching out to the little girl ghost and the two of them going on to whatever's next
0: hand 36 hand. That is really next. nice. It's 36. Yeah. That's what's <laughs> next for him.
1: 36. Okay. We're a couple um, days away.
0: Oh God. I don't want to think about it. Um, <laughs> I think this is amazing. If you've never read Hellblazer, this is an amazing place to start. If you've never read any Constantine, like it's it's a great place to start. And I think that if you have read it, it's a wonderfully refreshing take after years of not having great Hellblazer stories. So as high praise as I can give it, I'm gonna give the, I'm gonna give it a 9.5. Just the series as a whole. And I read issues two and three together in one sitting today. It was wonderful. Hmm. Wow, that's a nice way to experience it. Um, yeah, you know, I think I'm gonna give
1: Definitely the Hey, entire, Roman, the careful, careful. Yeah, it's yeah. just
0: you and I tonight, okay? It's just <laughs> you and me sitting here on this table. I've already eaten dinner. I have no room for clams or mussels or big girthy fish rods what are you gonna give it
1: oh you you gotta well you gotta make room for that stuff. Oh. It's, 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 you know sunday night whatever night it is you yeah, gotta be ready for that because this whole the three issues i'm gonna give them a 10 oh man that's a gooey duck and however they they like to prepare gooey ducks in england you know fried i don't know whatever that's how it's gonna be served up do they have gooey ducks in england do we import them over there i mean i do
0: know <sighs> I don't know, but I just Googled it. Bring a large pot of water, about eight quarts to boil. Have large bowl of ice water ready. Place gooey duck inside pot and boil briefly until skin of the trunk turns a shade darker. About Ugh. 20 seconds. <laughs> Using tongs, place the gooey duck in ice water to stop cooking. I'm looking at a picture of it opened up here. It looks as close to what it looks like for the face hugger and alien as you could possibly have.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yikes. Um, that, yeah, yeah, that does like exactly like
0: the <laughs> 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 um On a first per- topic of another person whose art we love, uh, Fear Case, number one, Dark Horse Studios. This is by Matt Kent and Tyler and Hillary Jenkins did this. Uh, we sold out, um, which is surprising. I should have ordered more because it's the same two creators as Grass Kings, but we just didn't have many pre-orders for it at the time of FOC. Then it came in and a bunch more people were asking for it. You know, I, you know I'll, I'll try and echo little bits of what Django told me about the books he read this week. And he did like this one. The main point of conversation I heard was J- Django and Justin talking about how within it, there's a gift exchange between two male protagonists and it's a book. And it's the book from Bang, like, written by the author in the book Bang, also by Matt Kent. And in this story, it's talking about how that author was always sort of writing multi-dimensional books about, like, we're all characters in these similar realities. So what I love about this Fear Case book is that it's it's weaving this very tight narrative braid that Matt Kent is doing, that, like, Grass Kings and Black Badge were related, and then Bang came out and tied into Grass Kings and the Black Badge, and then this came out and is incorporating that. Like, I really love this weird Aphex twin one of my favorite musicians, he'll just make fake names and release an album and then forget it and never tell anyone that it was him. And then like people have been spending years trying to be like, is this an Aphex to an album? Um, Matt Kent is doing a similar thing. Like I really love this. Like It's like it's all the same series, maybe, but it's not. But they're all connected. Anyway, super cool. Uh, I know you don't have one on hand. I have the only copy that the store has left, and it's uh, subscribers that let me take it home and read it. Um, so it's sitting here in front of me. <laughs> yeah and i what do you, you remember it, but, about it did you like it
1: yeah
0: <sighs> or i could I, tell you I, what i remember about it to jog your memories if you'd like
1: yeah because i think i liked it but i read it on i don't know tuesday night and then yeah, you turned it yeah, so i don't remember in now yeah.
0: yeah so it starts with these two police officers and they're three weeks away from ha- being kicked off this case and it's this case about a case uh like a, a you know a briefcase where it's being passed around And these cops have been like, you get one year studying this case. Mm. um, And after a year you're kicked off of it because people like lose their mind if they're doing it. So they've got three weeks left on this case, investigating this briefcase that when passed on to somebody, if they pass it on to somebody they hate, they're okay. But if they don't pass it on, then they'll die and it goes to the person they love the most. Mm. And so it's kind of like the ring or, you know, these other, like, you know, like cursing other people. But there's a really grisly, horrific murder sequence in here about this woman whose husband was cheating on her, and she passes it to him, and then he dies. And it's it's just in the same way that Grass Kings was, it's a really atmospheric murder mystery. And there's a more supernatural element in this than Grass Kings, but I like it, and it's just it's gorgeously drawn, and I really like the dialogue and the characters, and I'm I'm really liking this sort of web that he's weaving of different narratives did that jog your memory for it 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 did yeah uh as soon as you said about the cops and the
1: briefcase and I, I remember those panels distinctly when they were the more experienced cops were explaining to them about the case and what it does to people and everything and and how determined you know one of the rookie guys is like oh no we're going to solve this we've got like four days or ten days or something left to solve yeah. it. yeah
0: and there's this wonderful sequence between the two of them where like one gives the, a gift to the other. And, yeah. and it's just a really great friendship sequence. And the other guy who receives it is like, well, I forgot, you know, yours. Can you not make this weird? And He's like, it's not a, we're not dating. Like I'm just giving you a thing. Don't <laughs> worry about it. And he's like, okay, cool. We well, could, you grab something out of the glove box. And he opened the glove box <laughs> and it was tickets to a thing that, that actually was a gift. Like these, they did have this sentimental, it, it, that was a two page sequence but what it did really effectively was make me care about both of these characters. Like it was really yeah. effective character work and, and making me care about them. Cause it was like, these are just two buddies and they're, they're just buddies first. And I love, I love that. Yeah. That was really nicely. Like, Cause it was only, it was only like two,
1: three panels and it, and it, it evolved the relationship for, for the reader. It was yeah. very nicely done.
0: And um, yeah, like they opens on this double page spread and it's there's this thing, he loves coffee, yeah. but it's Verge's coffee. But Verger is the author that wrote the book that they gave each other, which is tied into oh. Bang because Verge was like the author of that. I also think that there is like a famous Verger that I'm trying to f- remember. There's also that... Um, yeah the marvel artist that did all those the, like aboriginal covers the indigenous right. I- indigenous voices covers um yeah that was and like v-e-r-e-g-g-e
1: yeah and i forget i looked up that when i read that issue of fear case because i want to say it had did it have something to do with uh not philip k dick um, oh geez lovecraft so go ahead with what you were saying i'll just keep on well
0: going. yeah i just i think it's my favorite matt kent release you know we on the book club just last week anyone listening to this doesn't know what that is shoot us a line we do a video book club it's a ton of fun everyone should do it everyone in the world should do it if you're hearing this and you don't know what it is shoot shoot jeff at the comics place Online line and say i want to be a part of the book club but we did ether which is a matt kent book mm. um and that was fun to read because he's been doing a lot more dark horse stuff lately and uh anyway it's just He's a great writer, and, and he's doing some sort of large-scale meta-narrative with this dark horse-specific stuff, and I'm, I'm really liking it. This is my favorite that he's done since Grass Kings. I think it's like the most a first issue has grabbed me. Arts atmospheric, great murder mystery, great character work. I would give Fearscape number one. No, sorry, Fear Case. I've said Fearscape several times, <laughs> I think, because there's Have that you? book. Maybe, but that book Fearscape that is by Vault um, okay. comes out. Um, so I maybe said that, but Fear Case. Um, by Matt Kent, Tyler, and Hillary Jenkins. Amazing. I'm going to give this one a nine. I really like this first issue. We sold out. We're going to try and get some more for everyone. Um, if So place an order if you haven't gotten one yet, but uh, really interesting, cool book to have come out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Good, good. I, I, I'll, I, boy, time is so messed up. I mean, I feel like I read it weeks, <laughs> and, weeks ago. So since I'm so fuzzy on details, I'll give it at least an eight because I know I liked it and I know I like the art. I love that. Opening that two page first spread, Diner shot that yeah. was gorgeous. Vonnegut, it was Vonnegut. That's the oh, I
0: was of. Roman. Hmm. You did me a favor this week. I did, yeah, you did. <laughs> you read Transformers Beast Wars number one. Wow, I did. <laughs> um, now listen, you may have read this because we haven't really talked about it, but this was, you know, how people your age 36 you know like they ran home from school to watch like gi joe or transformers um after school for me i would ride the bus home or get a ride home from my parents but i was always like five minutes early to catch beast wars which was like my favorite after school television show it was on you know like five days a week i you know i have two primary reasons that i love transformers and the, the first is that i when i was like nine or eight my babysitter was like you got to watch transformers the movie from 84 and i love that movie and then you know years later in like fourth or fifth grade i would come home from school to watch beast wars it's the only transformers show i would watch like episode to episode and make sure i would watch it so it's it's my transformers show I, i mean, outside of the movie which i love the g1 stuff but um so these are my characters. I love, I love these characters. I was reading this comic, yeah. and it must have been very disorienting for you, but they all have very specific voice actors, and I could hear this in their voice actors. And my partner Sam, she's amazing, um, but she falls asleep earlier than I do a lot of times. And one of the things that I like the go-to show I have at night, if I'm like finished podcast, I'm kind of drunk, and Sam's falling asleep, like I put on Beast Wars, and I've been rewatching <laughs> the series from the beginning. Uh, it's on. 2d i think t-u-d-i which is a free streaming service um if you want to check it out but it's been wonderful i've been watching that for the last like year or so all through the pandemic wow, Um really yeah yeah it's it's like a deeply nostalgic transformers fan. our good good friend of the show ryan russell is a huge transformers fan and he's like your age like well not not quite your age but a little younger but a little older than me so he like he kind of missed beast wars in the same way that Django missed batman the animated series yeah so anyway, that's the background for this. Was, uh, I love these characters. Oh, but I have to tell everyone a cool thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. tell us. W- one of the cool things about Beast Wars is that the original Transformers series, it's like you know, Optimus Prime and Megatron, and they fly to Earth, and they crash land on Earth if, for, you, know, if you haven't seen Transformers. The original one, they, trans- like, they cla- crash on Earth, and they're all put into stasis for a long time. And then something happens at the beginning of the animated series where they all wake back up, and their computer like tells them to go find, you know, cars to imitate or whatever. But they spent a huge amount of time passed out in stasis mode on Earth. So Beast Wars is a is way in the future, it's way after Transformers, way after Optimus and Megatron. But it's the descendants of all those people, and they're flying off or like Cybertron. And they accidentally use some time travel technology and it takes them to earth in that time of the dinosaurs. So instead, and they crash land and the same computers go out to find things for them to imitate. So instead of cars and airplanes, it's dinosaurs and animals. But the cool fucking thing is, and Ryan, if you're listening and you don't know this, like two seasons in, it becomes apparent that they've crash landed on earth, but it's, they went back in time and it's after like Optimus and Megatron had landed there and they find the ships of the original Transformers and everyone, all of their ancestors are frozen in stasis on them. Like, cause it's the future. and They went back in time to a moment that was after they had landed there.
1: Oh, so the original Transformers were in stasis for like
0: hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it wasn't, time... just,
1: it wasn't just a couple of years. No, okay.
0: a, hundreds of years. So, so while these guys are here in the time of the dinosaurs, they find the 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 arc that has optimus prime and all of the original transformers and it's it is so cool it was like as a 10 year old being like oh my god it's the original transform like they tied this into the original stuff so i i love beast wars i love transformers and this um had a lot of the traps that happen when you have these comics that are sort of banking on the nostalgia of adults so they try to sort of like analytical dress them up a little bit you know like make them a little bit more political and stuff and but also it's still trying to be like a kid's thing but for the most part i thought this was super fun that was my long-winded thing i just talked for like five minutes what did you think of this book
1: no i i love that because uh i love thinking about like you and ryan being so excited about this because uh since i am a little bit older i have i don't know anything about the uh the Beast Wars and Dinobots, all that. I kind of know the original Transformers, but the weird, the funny thing is, and maybe this is why why you kind of associate me with liking fantasy more than sci-fi, because when I ran home from school, got home from school, when I used to walk home, I wouldn't watch Transformers. I would watch He-Man, and for some reason. And now I kind of regret it because I'm like, man, Transformers are so much cooler than He-Man. <laughs> but I would watch He-Man and She-Ra. So I kind of know the like the barest bones about Transformers. Because um, I used to read the Marvel comic. That's the
0: weird oh, thing. I used, yeah. to, I used to
1: get the Marvel comic, but I didn't watch the cartoon.
0: The voices are good. <laughs> The characters are good. I really just love all these characters. Justin, uh, shout out, Justin also was a big Beast Wars fan, and he had you know some of yeah. these toys growing up. So it's a it's a fun fun book. If you like Transformers or you like Beast Wars, I you know I've talked about like Mega Man. I read that comic on here because I love Mega Man or like the Power Rangers. Or I try to keep up on most Transformers books and try them out. And of all those sort of like n- nostalgia centered books, this one really did fit the best for me i i am gonna keep reading this because i just love these characters yeah yeah and that sounded that sounded interesting to me
1: for me the because i don't have that nostalgic connection the art was a little hard for me because I'm i kept you. on i kept on trying to identify different um and they're not they're not autobots what are they called maximals um, maximals That's maximals great, and predacons those are great names <laughs> I love those names, but I kept on trying to identify different Maximals by their color schemes. Cause I didn't know who anybody was.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's, it's probably pretty impenetrable if you don't have any reference for it, but I, I, that's, I always love talking to you because you will always read a comic book, <laughs> you know, like with yeah, no er, er, connection to it.
1: <laughs> Earlier in the week. Uh, well, you, t- you told me, I told me I should read it, but I also heard you say to talking about it with Brayden. Um, So I was definitely gonna try and read it, and I love the yeah I love when they tractor beam or hook on to the other ship they're trying to follow and they they're following through the warp tunnel Mm -hmm. or whatever, but they don't follow instantly. And one of them says, "Hey, I thought we were tethered to," and then all of a sudden they get pulled through.
0: Yeah, that was good. I'm gonna give this one an 8.5, and it's just that's nostalgia. Like I I think it's better than a lot of nostalgia-banked franchises, but you know that's also what I've got for you guys. I this one tickled me pink
1: it was fun i was confused but i'm i'm intrigued i thought that was cool the way their systems imprint on whatever's out there and that's how what determines that they're beast or car robots or whatever and i was i i like the the back cover inside back cover because it shows i didn't realize this it's like i was like wow why is Ironhide so big and why is ram horn which that's a what a name,
2: right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's like geez, I think I met that guy in the bar the other night. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> he was drunk. I I would I think I'll give it a 7. I mean, I'm curious to see
0: I'm curious to see them like using their new beast abilities. Roman Future State books came out. I now that we've covered most of the number ones, I thought like I'm just reading the ones I really want to read next Batman number three came out. I wanted to read that. I've got one to read here, but I haven't yet because Nick Darrington didn't do the art. Um, And then I also have that. I was excited to read on the future state agenda, uh, the swamp thing number two. So those are the ones that were on my radar, but why don't you give me a dump of what you liked from future state this week? Well, what I liked um, the wonder woman, future
1: state at the second issue, which is also apparently the last issue of it. Um, It was good. It was fun. You know, the art was cool. Uh, But I really liked Swamp Thing, Future State Swamp Thing number two. That was excellent. Loved it.
0: So Um, the first issue of that was like mostly him recounting how he had to create the genetic makeup for sort of Swamp Thing family for him to have in the far future. What was the second half of this story?
1: uh, The second half was him kind of confronting the morality of doing that and, and he ends up doing that because he confronts the villain who at the end of the first issue I thought was Anton Arcane because he says he's you know the, the man that can't be killed and he's all gross right. looking I was completely wrong it was actually Jason Woodru, the Floronic man Oh, who I thought was the blue plant guy in the first issue just because he had a blue plant beard <laughs> and so did Floronic man or he had a green plant beard no no i was wrong that's just a blue plant guy um the villain is jason Woodrue. um that's weird i also assumed it was anton arcane yeah yeah I, maybe maybe it was a kind of a false herring to lead us to think yeah. that uh, but yeah or this is a blue issue, herring <laughs> blue herring. oh that's my favorite kind of herring but this issue they confront each other there's a great battle beautiful art i mean this artist um
0: mike perkins oh, it's
1: mike perkins that in my mind rose to fame with doing
0: Captain America and um, Parks and Recreation Mike Perkins yeah. <laughs> uh, I forgot about that um, beautiful
1: art here I mean it looks a lot it's reminiscent of uh, John Tullivan and Stephen Bissett when they were drawing swap oh. Thing without and when Alan Moore was writing it so that really appealed to me it's they just have a great battle about morality and humanity and the things the swamp thing has done versus the things Woodrow Woodrow has done because he's as usual trying to just eliminate humanity um, and swamp thing is trying to save what's left of humanity even though his plant people he's created don't agree with him and it comes down to a them saying what what's more important us or them and there's some great moments when Swamp Thing gets into just how he did it. These little asides about how him manipulating genes and, and all this plant biology
0: that I think is really interesting. Um, I love when you start sentences by saying things like, just like John Tottlebone and Stephen Bissett on Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. I'm just like, Oh God, I love when you just embody the history of comics like that. <laughs> and the ending, the ending is
1: I wish she had read this one because I
0: don't want to. Oh, I'm not worried about it's, spoilers. It's,
1: it's just a beautiful ending because Swampy ends up reabsorbing, uh, you know, all the, all the, all the plant people he's created in order to save what's left of humanity. Um, the villain sets off this bomb, just like Mr. Burns. He sets off this thing that's going <laughs> to blanket the planet in darkness and block out the sun. <laughs> Swamp thing's too late to stop it. Um the the Obsidian Sun, I think it's called, because it's powered by the ex superhero Obsidian. Um, and the way Swamp Thing saves what's left of humanity is he roots himself and grows into a
0: enormous giant tree that becomes but, the, the Idrisil, that becomes the World Tree in Norse mythology. Oh yeah, I hadn't thought about it. yeah. Actually,
1: kind of. I mean, because it becomes this tree that kind of spreads out like those those giant fungi like in russia and new hampshire and places like that it spreads out over miles and what's left of humanity ends up living and finding sustenance in the roots of this tree that used to be the swamp thing and that's where humanity lives from now on in this future and you know at least for a few generations they're able to get food from him and everything from the what used to be swamp thing um and at one point, he eventually the tree dies and hardens and becomes uh, uh, petrified. Uh-huh. But by then, the the bomb, the black darkness has dissipated, and it's, there are people are able to see the sun again and come out from the roots and hopefully start the human race again.
0: That is so rad, and. I just want to TM, 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 the Swamp Thing becoming the world tree in Norse mythology for Thor. That is such a yeah. great DC Marvel crossover. Listen, any <laughs> listeners out there that are burgeoning writers, that's a gift from the Perfect Acceptable Podcast to you. Go write that. Pitch it to Marvel and DC. Mm. They're going to fucking love it.
1: Yeah. Oh, look at this panel there. Oh, oh, that's what he I, does I, when it's a gooey. I, I, that's when he's talking I'm gonna, about
0: cooking up I know, alien facehuggers.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna go ah, nine point five, but the no. only reason I was gonna do that is because I already gave a ten. But yeah, I'm gonna big old green leafy, <laughs> look, green leafy gooey for this too. <laughs>
0: um, everyone, we have a couple issues. Uh, we have some second prints of number one. We have a couple first prints left. If you haven't been reading this series, Roman just gave both issues a ten. And he's very excited yeah. for the ongoing. So if you're like me and you hear Roman give two issues a 10, you're going to immediately need to buy it and own it and frame it because he's the most informed comic book man there is. And I absolutely love it. Before we leave the future state corner, Roman. Yeah. I, I, um,
1: yeah, I would say so far uh, the future state books, my favorites are Swamp Thing and uh, Superman worlds at war. Yeah. That world's war was, was real good before we leave the future state corner. Roman. Yeah. I, I, um yeah, I would say so far of the future state books, my favorites are Swamp Thing and uh, Superman Worlds at War.
0: Yeah, that Worlds of War was was real good. I'm just here right now to act on behalf of, you know, one of Roman and I's collective best friends, Jingle Boren, to talk about an Aftershock book number one, Maniac of New York by Elliot Kalen and Andrea Moody um, and Taylor Esposito, Esposito on letters on this one. Roman, did you by chance read Maniac of New York number one from Aftershock Studios with a wealth a, of back matter? Yeah, from Aftershock. Yeah, yeah. With all that back matter, you bet I did. <laughs>
1: you know, it's it's about a maniac in New York.
0: Um, And Roman is nothing if not a maniac in New York. I, you know, Aftershock kind of has a style and a feel. And Django has since, you know, wave number one, he's read all of the books they put out. And I kind of have checked out. I'll read them when they look interesting. But I... um and only because also one of my best friends in the world, Django will read all of them and tell me which ones I should read. So it's great to have a canary in the coal mine uh, perennially, but this was gorgeous. And I just feel like aftershock in the last year has really, I would say on average, I would give their number ones like a 6.5. And I feel like they've increased that average, like a full number, like their, their artists, the caliber of their artists is much higher. The, the interest in the stories I have is much higher. So um, yeah, Maniac of New York, I think, it was a great story set up with absolutely gorgeous art. It, it kind of reminded me of Tyler Jenkins's work in like Grass Kings or or a Matt Kent book. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I it reminded me of Tyler Jenkins a lot too. And it's this one is just a in mania in New York in Mania in New York. <laughs> there's a, a serial killer who we get a flashback to a scene of him just showing up in Times Square and murdering the fuck out of like eighty people. And then we got a slight time jump and he's murdered like 30, 300 or 400 people. And there's a task yeah. force that's set up to try and hunt him down, but there's also not a lot of faith in its ability to do so. And um, yeah, that's the pitch, Roman.
1: Yeah. And that, the, the, the second page, uh, I mean, the first page is the flashback of New Year's in 2016, a cop tells somebody to drop the weapon. And then you see the bloody and weirdly serrated knife. Yeah. It's
0: weirdly serrated.
1: Yeah, and then the double page spread next is our, our maniac covered in blood and he has a very cool mask. He does hockey, but it's but it's just like it's beautifully done. I mean he's standing amidst all these, these bodies, and it's great that like what the one in our foremost view has the 2016 you know glasses on and blood all over him. But I was like, God, this is how's one person in the like, kill 79 people. I just the sheer amount of people you think would have somehow stopped
0: this guy. But well, it's 2016 New Year's, right? Like, that's around Trump election. Maybe this is a thinly mailed, thinly veiled, thinly veiled uh, metaphor for how effectively Trump has murdered the morale of as many people as he has. Could be. Yeah. No, I, I doubt be. that at all. But I, I had well, that no, same <laughs> thought, which is like, he killed 80 people in Times but also like in Times Square at any given point, maybe there's hundreds of people in a tight space. You could probably get 20 or 30 people murdered before everyone even realized what's going on. You could probably get 30 or 40 more while they're all trying to escape.
1: Yeah, that's true. You know, New Year's Eve. But yeah, I'm very curious. Who is this? I mean, not who is this? How does this guy do this stuff? How does he pull this off? You know, I like, I really, I always like the, uh, the device of having, of kind of introducing the plot and the storyline and the characters in the background kind of of news broadcast that are telling you the overall horror they're facing I, I just always dig that device it's it's one of my favorites
0: in, in terms so actually unpack that for me like having news broadcasts having the news broadcaster talking to the detective in charge of it or like um, just those dark night returns style
1: um i think it was dark night returns so kind of here like the first three or four pages yeah pages three all, four is, for sure yeah are all just uh broadcast maybe they're separate broadcast yeah they are separate broadcast because there's a couple of talk show hosts but but uh mainly it's it's news broadcast and we see the oh the woman whose name i forgot you see her getting ready for work before
0: she goes in That her she's been a pouty the, the task force leader on this that page specifically that you're referencing which is a nine panel grid and the, the all three of the left, left vertically stacked panels are silently depicting one of our female protagonists morning. And then all of the f- three right vertically stacked panels are silently depicting our other female protagonists morning. And then mm-hmm. it's all mediated by the middle stack of three that are a news broadcaster. And yeah, that was a really well done scene of like the emphasizing the difference of these two characters. One is putting like tightening their shirt and the other is putting a gun in their pocket. One is drinking coffee. The other is taking a shot of liquor. One is, toasting someone that motivates them to do well and the other is grabbing their fucking badge like it's it's that is a really well done scene for sure
1: yeah yeah and of course
0: the the
1: one downing the liquor or coffee she's the one that's experienced and cynical and jaded and kind of fed up with the whole thing and the other one she has she definitely is the opposite end of that that point and i love the fact that this broadcast this terrible vacuous uh news quote-unquote show in the morning how the person is talking about Maniac Harry is his name and
0: yeah. and uh,
1: of course the union doesn't like it but you know I don't get political I'm just your railroad and maniac girl Oh that's <laughs>
0: Fox News yeah, Have a great day and watch, watch out for Harry out there Just like you said the double page spread at the beginning of the killer standing in Times Square it's beautifully done it's watercolor looking the colors are gorgeous like the reds with all the grays and the blue contrast and then that you know both of the female protagonists are real badass like i love that dynamic of you got you got sort of x-files fashion of the cynic and the optimist and yeah. i like that dynamic and and the way that the world is evolving around these killers but then at the end we get this horrible sequence of like are they actually going to kill again i don't know it's been happening for a while and then the person gets stuck on a this we get this subtle background oh. information about this subway is being built it's like automated and at the end, the killer gets on an automated subway with, you know, like 80 people or something. They're going to get another almost 100 kills. And it's this really grim uh, scene. And I don't know, it's, it's very visceral. It's very like surface level. It makes you want to know, it, it, evocative.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really, I mean, that's a great cliffhanger um, for the issue. And And yeah, it is really, really visceral. I mean, those colors...
0: Are beautifully done the at, the atmosphere of this comic is really good i really love that django like with aftershock and many other uh publishers like he'll approach them like every issue is kind of like a, a, a jumping a fresh jumping off point you know like all right cool what do you got aftershock whereas i'm kind of like well i don't know i've i've read a lot of aftershock books and in general they don't super spark my fancy but um this one is top five aftershocks for sure. I, I create like a. I, I appreciate how Django approaches those more open-mindedly than I do. I think I kind of like a make an aggregated average opinion about what that publisher puts out, but it doesn't leave room for publishers to sort of increase the quality of their product, which I think aftershock and Vault really are doing in the last two years or so. Um, but yeah, I, I really like this issue. Um, Django also dug this issue. I would give this one like an eight. I think it's a. a it's not often that an aftershock series makes me want to continue reading but when it does it's like hot lunch special which introduced me to jorge fornes like they, there's there is gold in that mine you know for sure
1: yeah yeah definitely um yeah boy i can't give 10, 10, 10 in a row i'll give 9.5 you, you're allowed to do whatever <laughs> you want
0: dude you're the the voice of comic enthusiasm i love it man i can't wait to read
1: it. oh okay i'll give it a 10 that's such a great cliffhanger the maniac gets on a train full of, of people. There's no conductor. There's no all right, cops. So, well, my we, God.
0: You're, you're glossing over the fact that that's your third gooey dunk of the week. That's a, <laughs> like, that's a, that's a, that's a, and It'll be time. all
1: gooey's, all gooey's, all the time this episode.
0: We're going to talk for a moment about here, firepower number eight. So and, wait. i don't i don't know i'll just get carried away i like that idea very 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 much a gooey 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 duck i'm just i'm glad to be talking to just you right now not that Django doesn't like this book but um i don't love a kung fu you're listening you're watching cobra kai you're loving it you know Mm. kind of very good as a separate thing but it's kind of built on also love of the karate kid you know like i am of a generation i was born in 89 the kung fu kind of fad not that it's a fad that different i'm sorry about my choices of word there but the kung fu scene was not big in my life growing up right there weren't a lot of mm. kung fu movies like i watched a movie called three ninjas it was one of my favorite movies but it was uh, really that's
1: yeah i think it kind of topped out with in the
0: 80s until maybe now it's coming back a little bit i agree as part of the like nostalgia for the 70s and 80s but firepower by robert kirkman from the walking dead and invincible with art by the amazing chris Somney.
1: yeah
0: Um, I I, based on that kung fu prejudice I wasn't going to read this book I wasn't going to read the original graphic novel That came out as a pre You know like a a press book for us We got early Um, I didn't care about it But Roman read it And he was like this is good You need to read it You've probably heard me say this at this point But um, God damn it I don't I can't even put a finger on it Roman I don't know Like it's It's the what I loved about Invincible Which was like it was like an, a soul. It was like an indie rock album. It's like a, it's an indie personal drama, but it's in the trappings of like Invincible and on the trappings of a superhero book. So it's like, I'm doing a superhero book, but it's mostly just about like, what does the mom make for dinner while her son is out fighting? Like walking dead was like a zombie book, but at the same time it was mostly about like, how do people rebuild in a zombie thing? Um, I think Robert Kirkman is amazingly good at disguising really basic human storylines in a genre trapping and firepower is this amazing, wonderful, the big three Kirkman books to me are um, walking dead firepower and invincible. And the, they rank as, as such as uh, invincible firepower and then walking dead for me, this is just him doing that thing of putting a wonderful character story in a genre I don't know what I love about this book so much, Roman. I don't love the Kung Fu genre. What did you do to me? You you got it in. You're like, <laughs> this is good. You have to read it. And now it's like, it is exactly what I'm looking for in a comic book. It's lighthearted and it just brings me joy, even when it's not overtly joyous, because it's not overtly joyous all the time.
1: No, in fact, yeah. In fact, this issue, and I don't have one in front of me, but I'm trying to remember this issue. It's, uh, it's mostly, I think, them talking about First, they're talking about getting ready to go on a trip. Then it's being on the plane. And then the cliffhanger
0: is a bad guy showing up on the plane.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's no real, you know, quote unquote action like you would expect in a Kung Fu comic, (laughs) but it's great.
0: But the cover is like uh, what looks to be ambiguously possibly a female assassin with a flaming sword. And I was like, oh my God, I hope it's the girlfriend from the first volume that we're (laughs) told, like, we're told that that person has died but we don't know if they've actually died yet so it's it's spoilers it's not actually that person or we actually don't even know who they are yet but no yeah roman to jog your memory yeah you you explained it perfectly the first third is everyone kind of catching up with the fact that like you know our our main protagonist was raised in a good guy academy but it turns out maybe that good guy academy is actually the bad guy academy and i love the fact that um Oh,
1: I wish I had a copy in front of me that the uh, the old Kung Fu mentor in this issue, I think he says to her that he was wrong and he should have listened, you know, to what's her name our protagonist back in the graphic novel when he was in training. And he tried to tell him, you know, I think things are off here in the in the monastery, Um, because in the graphic novel, his mentor, that old man is presented in the typical Like, oh, he's the Kung Fu master, the mentor. He's the top dog here in the monastery. He knows everything. And in this issue, he's telling her, you know, yeah, I didn't know everything. I was so wrong. Yeah. And I need your help and, you know, to save your husband and save everything.
0: And just to have like, you know, it's all just kind of an excuse. I think with Robert Kirkman, what I love so much at this point is it's all just kind of an excuse to see how people interact in different situations and I think he writes those people just incredibly well I think he has a great like a real knack for voices and then uh, throughout all of that Chris Somney's art is the most gratifying thing to look at it is it is a joy to read
1: and it's um and you're right I think Kirkman's books I mean this one it's about a family and trying to raise your two like teen, preteen kids with good skills and values to deal with life. And you, you know, you find out your ex girlfriend might still be alive and she may need your help. And your ex kind of not real brother, but brother from school, let's say university has come back into your life. And it's just about the relationships. And then this, it happens to be all around this Kung Fu monastery and mystical maybe
0: ancient forces coming to get you. So ding dang good. We have a couple, just a couple things to cover um, before we get out of here. We have a couple emails that came in from, uh, as uh, responses to our questions for, uh, that Django has been posing. So I just want to ask, Django, Django, do you want to hear, do you want to be a part of those conversations? Yeah,
2: yeah, I could do that.
0: You're you're down with that? Okay, cool. I'm I'm into it. Okay, cool. Well, so I got, I um, just as, you know you've been posing some very bold questions at the end of our uh, podcast which i love but i've got a, a slew of responses um to a couple different ones i appreciate that you've just been so like patient with us this episode i've never heard you just like kind of relish in the pickle relish of our conversation before
2: i'm i'm learning to listen i'm learning to listen and uh, it's it's a joy to hear you guys i've mostly been kind of entranced by roman's new headphones
0: yeah, <laughs> he looks good. He sounds good. I'm I'm
1: entranced with too. There's been a couple times when I'm not even hooked into
0: a computer and I'm just wearing the headphones. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well I've got one from Dino Cipino, The oh. Dino Cipino. I like that. Hello, guy. I do too. Hello everyone, Happy Groundhog's Day. Hello everyone, Happy Groundhog's Day. Get it because <laughs> of the Bill Murray. <laughs> Since Django asked the copyright question in back to back episodes, <laughs> I thought I could try to answer it because it was a little over my head. Everyone knows Jamie Madrox, multiple man, no one's favorite X-Men. Anyhow, <laughs> his character was originally going to be called Xerox Man, but due to copyright laws, it was a no-go. Ooh. Anyway, so if there was no copyright laws like in Django's question, maybe Jamie Madrox would totally be Xerox Man? I also I like think. That. I also think Marvel's punching bag, Matt Murdock, would be called Batman. And on the DC side, Dick Grayson would go by Daredevil. Thoughts? Thanks, Dino <laughs> Cipino. I,
2: I think that's all. That, he got it. Dino it tra- got it.
0: It all tracks? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I, we got an awesome email from Andrew Carlson, friend of the show. Just thoughts extraordinary. Thoughts. I, thoughts the legend ultimate Um, thoughts ultimate thoughts the the spinoff to the original thoughts (laughs) that we just didn't have the listenership for um andrew carlson thoughts says hey guys i just wanted to write in a quick note and this is about last week's book um i have i've been loving uh, other history of the dc universe by ridley et al i'm which is latin for and all or and co um i I took a psychology class i had to learn about paper writing I'm subbed to the B covers, which incidentally are uh, formatted in a way which the central black characters are the of the issue are fully realized and colored and all the white characters are left uncolored and out of focus. I've attached the two covers thus far so you can see. I'm in love with how they have made these covers. And while incredibly wordy, these books are very well written. written, and you can truly see how these individuals' perspectives colored their view of the world and each other as they, uh, as well as their spouses. Really glad you guys are still on the book. Thank you as always. Um, and as a response to Django's question, trademarks should be abolished. I don't remember the question really, but it was definitely too much to think about. I'm not writing an essay here. And Plastic Man would easily have the best farts. He can change the, <laughs> he can change the shape of his cloaca to make different sounds. Hell, he could probably make a whole album with his ass. Andrew.
2: (laughs) Wow.
0: Holy shit. That is fantastic. I love it. That was really,
1: (laughs) really good.
2: Classic Man's Cloaca. Um, Wow. An album. We're
1: we're ordering at least 75 to start with. Okay, yep.
0: like just yep. like our infinite frontier numbers.
2: I hope it comes with a balloon so you can play the songs. <laughs> at
0: hey, listen, home. Django, they're not Aftershock. Okay, we didn't get <laughs> balloons with that order <laughs> whatever company sent us balloons recently. <laughs> Django, do you know who sent us? We have a bag of unopened balloons that a company sent us for a release. What it was, they were green.
2: Yeah, it was during COVID. I don't remember.
0: You remember COVID back in the day? I remember. Yeah, they sent us those back during COVID. (laughs) So glad that's over. Yeah, I (laughs) know. Whew.
1: Um, I figured they were just some kind of Django whoopee cushion experiment
2: thing. Yeah, (laughs) I don't remember who it was.
0: Listen, um, it was probably Aftershock. (laughs) Um, Listen, Papcast fart question from Dino. Mm. Okay, listen, he followed up for this secondary question.
2: Chipino. Yeah, Chipino. You've heard of the Dino. He had a pretty good dang response to my copyright yeah. question so i expect i he's got a high bar for the fart joke
0: i, I expect some stank from him bringing the stank hi my flatulence fans here's my answer for coolest superhero farts it can't be Gr- ben Grimm because his rock because he rocks it can't be ben Grimm because he rocks it can't be wolverine because those are metal it can't be black bolt because his are deadly that's true a lot of sound waves it might be sue richards because no one could no one has seen her fart oh mm-hmm. that's a clever joke because sometimes <laughs> girls joke about not farting um, and she's invisible it can't be johnny storm because his are fire <laughs> it might be bobby drake's but his are so cool they're frozen that leaves emma frost she will make you believe they're the coolest therefore they are hope you guys are fantastic chabino I love it. (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. So Dino comes in every Wednesday when the shop is open and he buys his comics and he unloads a fart load of puns on us. And in that single issue, it made me feel like this Sunday night, Super Bowl Sunday night, Roman, who is weathered through his deep disappointment at the loss of the Kansas City Chiefs. He's the biggest Mahoney I've ever known. I
1: know. It was hard to like... Dry Watch. the tears and actually get on here and
0: do this. I know Tom Brady did it again. Um, but to have, have weathered that and made it through and to hear Dino's, you know, acting like a Sunday is a Wednesday with those puns good mm-hmm. lord, slow cat, slow captain America on my part. <laughs> well, well done, Dino. Well, and done. thoughts, yeah. Oh, god, well yeah, done, I Dino. And thoughts, you. um, hey Django, hey buddy, on that note. Let's get the fuck out of here. Django, clean this clean this kitchen up for us, bud.
2: Send us an email. Send us a review. Ask your friends to listen. Uh, You know, evangelize about this podcast or any yeah. podcast that you like on Reddit or Discord or Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Nice. Don't mention us on Parlor. <laughs> no,
0: we don't if, want it. Yeah, if, you don't. Still,
2: if you can even still. I don't even um, know how to do it,
1: yeah well the yeah. part parlor point two whatever
2: that's gonna be don't mention us on there <laughs> two, part <of> the 2. <laughs> and uh yeah that's i think i think that's it listen listen to batman in quarantine
0: yeah thanks for being here uh roman always thanks for being my 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 soul sister you know that maroon five um this was episode t- 213 which Django, i know you know is des moines ohio ontario um, yep. and we got that Des Moines, Ohio, Ontario area code out there and everyone knows it and they dig it. Um, this was Jeff and on behalf of Roman and Django, the Comics Place Perfectly Simple Podcast we'll see you all next week for 214 thanks for listening
2: Jeff, if you could put a fin on any Marvel or DC character's head who would yeah. it be? Um, uh, I would... Well, just
0: People can answer that next week we don't Okay, even... cool. Next week your question is put a fin on it! It's like,